You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Hi, welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next Test Strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over the counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to contournext.com slash radio to see if over-the-counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next. You're listening to the Face of Bay Network. <laughs> Nothing's going your way. You've had a bad day. It's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath from fade to gray. It's mental. Welcome to another episode of Mental. Today I'm having this conversation with Michelle Collins and PK Langley. And today we're going to talk about how to avoid the blahs of Christmas. But before, before I, before I jump there and we start into that conversation, you know, one of the key points of our show is that we are honest and real with where we are at. So let me kick this off with a mental minute and just ask my co-hosts, how are you doing? (laughs) Always such a loaded question. Yes, yes it is. It is a loaded question. Intentionally. Yeah. Go ahead, PK. How are you? How am I? Okay. All right. I'm about to pull out my pull out, out of my holster here. Um, I am so busy I can't see straight and I'm really trying to hold it all together and I'm hoping that the last two weeks of Chris Christmas season. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to be politically correct and say the season, like the seasonal blahs instead right. of just Christmas, you know, because I'm trying to like in, incorporate everybody. Of course. Because of, of course. course, in the mental health community, we try to do that. We try to put that whole, you know, the uh, holidays, the holidays, enjoy your holidays. And if they're not holidays to you, then hope happy December. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Yeah, I I have a lot, a lot, a lot of plate spinning and literally like uh, I think five, I think five po- podcasts, four or five podcasts next weekend and then followed by four or five podcasts the following weekend. Wow. And I have stuff that's due for school and uh, work full time in behavioral health and uh, I just have a lot on the ball. So I'm, I'm just trying to keep it all together and remind myself that I do have uh, afternoon and evenings. I have time, I have time, I have time mm-hmm. and I can get things done. And uh, I'm, I'm in this very interesting place of uh, self exploration as well. And so I feel like I have like 99, a hundred things going all at once. <laughs> and I don't think I will ever be a person that's not incredibly busy. And my poor wife has, has come to that revelation. Uh, it would be great if I was just an old lady sitting out on a rocking chair on a porch, but I'm probably going to be the one that's like, you know, riding ponies in the backyard. And I've got a bunch of people like, you know, shooting up stuff. And I don't know. I'm always going to be actively involved in stuff, stuff. So I've got a lot of irons in the fire. So I'm just trying to balance it all. And, have a good sense of home life and be kind to my, my wife. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Do you my prefer to have that many things running. What's, what's that? Do you prefer to have that many things running? Like, do you prefer just to be that kind of person or are these things being forced upon you? I was ADHD as a child and mm-hmm. I typically take, uh, I tell clients that the, a- uh, the HD usually burns off in childhood, but I have seen people that are ADHD as adults, but typically it burns off and, and you're still ADD as an adult. And people mm-hmm. that are 
have had trauma in their life tend to have a lot of plates spinning. Yes. It's, it's kind of a common theme for people that have uh, trauma in their lives. So if you're a score and, and if you don't know what uh, ACE is, you can always call our new hotline number. I'll plug that and uh, <laughs> ask that question and, and we'll put it on the air for you. And we'll say, uh, one caller asked, what is the ACE? And we'd like to tell you what that is on air and we'll air your question and we'll, we'll uh, talk about it. But if your ACE score is a five or higher, you were probably going to be that type of person that keeps a lot of plates spinning. So yeah, I'm I'm one of those people. I think that it's uh, indicative of uh, you know folks that are traumatized or people that have ADD. But it doesn't have to be. There's always exceptions to every rule. So I never draw hard lines in the sand. But that's definitely me. I'm always busy. And just to throw out, ACE does stand for Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. But if you do have specific questions around that and want more information, please feel free to call our hotline. That phone number is 314-690-5005. Feel free to give that a call and leave a voicemail with your question, or you can even text that number. Um, Either way, you can get a hold of us. Brand new thing that we've added. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited about it. That was great, man. About that was a great segue, wasn't it? It just went <laughs> just right in there, man. It did. It was well done. <laughs> so that's my mental minute. How are you, Michelle? Uh, I think PK and I are on the same wavelength. Uh, I'm constantly busy uh, doing way more than I should. And I actually woke up early this morning. I went, ended up going back to sleep, but I had woke up early and immediately the anxiety kind of grabbed me by the throat thinking about all the things that I need to get done uh, that are on my plate, specifically for today, but also in the upcoming weeks. And of course, as we throw in the holidays, that just adds to a little bit of the stress and the anxiety. It's, you know, it's that time of year. Everything feels busier. For me, professionally, Mm -hmm. this is a rough time of year because I end up having to do a lot of work in anticipation of tax season. Yes. Uh, so I have a lot of CPAs that are calling. I have, you know, a lot of clients that are calling and I, you know, we're trying to figure out you're in payrolls. We're trying to figure out how much money they're going to have at the end of the year. What do they need to spend? How do we lower tax basis? You know, we spend a lot of time analyzing in the months of November and December. So it's not just tax season that's super busy for me. It's this time of year as well. And as I said, you throw in the holidays on top of that, plus everything else that I do, which is a lot. I have a tendency to be a little overscheduled. So yeah, waking up with anxiety is not unusual on any given day, but certainly at this time of the year. So I had to kind of do some deep breathing this morning and remind myself it's okay. Everything's on the schedule. Just do it as it comes and don't get overwhelmed with it. Unfortunately, that doesn't always work. So I still have a little bit of anxiety sitting in my throat that I'm trying to work through. So I think we're on the same wavelength. There's just a lot going on. I'm also a yes person. So I have a hard time saying no when somebody needs a favor or they need help with something or, you know, there's a new opportunity. I, it's it's difficult to say no or to temper that. And I kind of feel like on some level it's self-sabotage for for me. I have a tendency to push Mm -hmm. myself to levels that I know that are probably not going to be able to sustain. And then I have a tendency to kind of berate myself for not being able to sustain them. You think somewhere in there I began to recognize that I'm doing that and stop it, but it's never until after the fact (laughs) that I go, oh, I did that again. (laughs) So I'm, I'm trying to guard against it right now, but I've looked at my calendar for this week and you guys both know I keep a very color coded calendar. There's no white space on that calendar this week, so it's gonna be a, gonna be a fun week. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. So my, I'm I'm highly anxious in anticipation of this week. So we'll see. <laughs> so what about you, Seth? Fair. Oh, the month of December is a very busy time in the world of a clinical trainer. We have at my job, we have a lot of implementations that are going to be rolling out with go live dates of 1-1. And so work right now, (laughs) whether it's content development or 
rolling out these new trainings uh, with new employees or even continuing education as we roll out new programs that all have to be done. And so talking about busy schedules, I'm experiencing that a lot myself. I will note that there, while that creates quite a bit of stress in my life, and I can identify with the self-sabotage. In fact, I think I mentioned that in the last episode. Um, I tend to be pretty good <laughs> at that. But thinking about the positive, my cats are getting along, Yay! and that makes me so happy. Yes, Lizzie and Manelli are getting along just just splendidly. I've not heard Manelli hiss for weeks. They uh, they do stay apart for the most part. Respective they are cohabiting. Yes, exactly. Right. But I have seen them smell each other's butts within the last week. So I think that that is movement in, in the, the right kingdom, direction yes, within that's the a cat positive. world. In the people yes. kingdom, probably when not. They start, not so much. When they start smelling each other's butts, I know I have achieved some goals. All remember right? remember when you had to keep forward. them in separate rooms? Things are progressing. Remember? They oh, had to yes. have closed doors I between remember. them and whatnot. So. Uh, Big progress. Oh, yeah. And now they... They both will sleep on the bed with me in their in their respective beds. It's so it's so nice. But that's that's where I'm at. Just trying to keep my head above water, and uh, enjoying my pets who now get along. That's that's my mental minute for today. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I, I mean, cats. Well, pets in general are such a positive for us, especially when we're anxious or stressed out. And of course, this time of year just breeds that. So having them getting along brings peace to your household because before it was kind of a source of anxiety. Yes. <laughs> so now all yes. is well in Seth's world as far as the, the relationships yes. inside his house. So, <laughs> Which is so Absolutely. important. Yeah. We've got, we've got two males. So, oh, boy. Know, I do too. To, My dogs are both males. Oh, so. boy. Yeah. Yeah. And and normally they're they're like lovey dovey, but Marshall has mysteriously shown up with a puffy eye, so he Uh-oh. looks like a, he's walking around like a pirate the last couple of days. And it's funny because I take Marshall's side because Marshall is like my cat, and 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 Munchie is Ashley's cat. So like God help us if we had ever had kids because it would have gone something like this. I'm pretty sure Munchie like scratched Marshall's eye or something. No, he didn't. Munchie never would have done that to him. Uh, yeah, I think he did. I think he poked him in the eye or something. Look at his eyes all puffy and all red. And that cat has long fingernails. I've seen his finger. Have you seen his fingernails? His fingernails are long. They're deadly. No, he didn't. Munchie's a lover. He would never hurt his brother like that. He wouldn't hurt his brother. So that's what happens to us. So, yeah. Unless there's some carpet yeah. around. Uh, it's. I find it intriguing that both of you have male pets, and I that have female pets. We we've gone the opposite of our assigned biological sex in regards to our pets, which is interesting. I don't know. I just like big dogs, and I don't know. They always the ones we get always tend to be male, but I you know I think the conversation in PK's house sounds pretty interesting. In our house, you just hear me and my husband yelling over what the dogs are feeling. Uh, you know, we, it's he's roughhousing with them. I'm like, stop, you're upsetting them. He's like, I'm not upsetting him. He's having fun. I'm like, look at his face. He looks upset. <laughs> no, he, he loves this shit. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. I just sent him a snap. Literally, I'm up here in my office. He sent me a Snapchat. He's in the garage with the dog and he grabbed one of them by the jaw and he's roughhousing with the dog. And I sent him back a snap. I'm like, quit grabbing my dog like that. I don't like it. <laughs> so we're doing the same thing over here with the dogs. <laughs> the kids are grown, so it's it's the pets now. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly what happens. That's exactly See, what Seth, happens. That's what you need. You yep. need somebody to argue with you about your pets. Yes. And to be the voice of your animals. <laughs> you can't argue with yourself. People will look at you funny. Well, but if it's just well, me, true. I mean, I already do so it. So, do you take do right? you take the side of one of the other cats, or how do you yeah, mediate do you? between the two cats? Like, what do you do? Normally, normally, I take Aww. Lizzie's side. Like, so because Manelli is just being old, grumpy. She's cat. being 
Yes, she's grumpy kitty and <laughs> and she's just grumpy and she's still taking shits in front of the litter box. So even though they're getting along well every other day I come over here to like work in my office and there's shit sitting like not like and and you know it's intentional because it's literally in front of the litter box. Like all she has to do right is you, take once yeah, that's one step. Did you okay. say she walks? She's going all the, she she's walking all she the way in she here. Well, that I last week. Okay, well, yesterday the the shit was not like that. Yesterday the shit was they were two perpendicular next to one another. But she's the other day it was they were it was poop that was in a line for a very oh, long God. time, which. Only the only way that that is possible is if Manelli takes a shit and walks at the same time. So she's also doing that to kind of stick it to the man. And and it's interesting because Lizzie has her own litter box. Like they there's two different litter boxes. But you know, she's gonna get back at you. She knows what side you're on. And she comes in here every morning and watches me go get toilet paper and pick up the shit and throw it in the, in the toilet. Trying. She just she's sitting sits, there going, there you she go. She just sits there and watches. I'm in charge. Happily. Like, I'm in charge here. She's like, see how I just made you handle my poop? She sticks it to them. So I'm not very happy with her. Okay. That's that's when this all boils down to it. I'm not very happy with her. Oh my Manelli. God. That's she funny. needs to get over herself. Yeah, but she. And I know it's Manelli because the shit's too big to be Lizzie. So, you it's know, power, it's the size power of the dump. poop indicates. So this is this is the show Alter Household. This is what it's like being this is what it's like being thirty one oh single two cats. and alone. With two cats. I I bring in cats for enjoyment. So that there was you the are. best mental minute ever. Ever Thank you, Seth. Ever. Yeah, you're welcome. Good. I mean, here here you go. Yeah. Here today we are talking about avoiding the blahs. And all you have to do is just have a conversation exactly. with with Seth about his cats and you will avoid the seasonal blahs right there. Just take and rewind and replay this and and the side splitting humor will cure you of of seasonal oh, blahs. We don't God. have to go any further. Just rewind yes. and replay. When when you feel the blahs coming just on, take this just minute. listen to this episode and be like, I don't, I'm not Seth. Like, I don't have to worry about these dueling cats pooping and peeing places. Like, you know, just take, rest assured that's not you. And, and I will carry that blah oh and that load for you. So, but what is oh it? Oh my gosh. What oh, is it? We're not going to get serious. About... <laughs> The holiday season. What? What? And I, I would say Christmas season, but we're going to be inclusive of everyone. Oh my god! What? What is it about the ho- the holiday season that has blah with it? What? What makes the holidays? Oh blah? my goodness! Oh my goodness! I think expectation. <sighs> mm, expectation maybe you know our of expectation of what it should be, or maybe we're in fear Others. of other as other people's expectation. Yes, but, imposed. But both the both of them, I think, are very much a part of this. Yeah, yeah. Imposed expectation or not wanting to let somebody down. Yes, you know, because yeah. there is there's a lot of uh, societal pressure. You know that I have to I have to perform. I have to like get the perfect gift for the person I love, and if I don't get the perfect gift, then they're going to be disappointed in me, and they're not going to be happy when they open their presents. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's daunting. I mean, it started for me when my, I mean, well, it's always been daunting to me. But certainly when I had children, you know, I wanted to give them the perfect experience because I, I so felt that I didn't have that growing up. And so, you know, I was trying to be everything that I felt like I had lacked when I was a kid. So I was trying to be that for my mm-hmm. kids. And so, you know, you build up in your mind these expectations of, oh, the decorations, the presents, the cookies, the cooking, the family time, the traditions. And... Nothing ever lives up to those expectations because life is messy. And so there's this perpetual feeling of disappointment, you know, that 
that I've probably disappointed my kids and someday they're going to grow up and they're going to try and do better because their mom was so horrible at it. You know, there's this perpetuation of a cycle. And so it's, I don't know, you get that mindset, I think, stuck in there that I have to perform at a certain level for this to be an acceptable, you know, celebratory season. I want to jump in on this. There, around this time of year, at least within my family, I, um, my fam, my extended family is very Christian. Okay. Very religious, uh, very much so. And around Christmas, they're around the holidays, around December, there always seems to be this like magic in the air, right? That I think kind of drives that expectation. But more than gifts or anything like that, I think the the part that causes so much difficulty for me is when I go back home and, you know, everyone's together and you have that holiday spirit and there's music in the air and it's snowing outside and all of that stuff. For me, I continually play that tape of I'm not what my parents wanted or I didn't meet the expectations. And so, and when I say expectations, I mean in in being gay. So with the larger family, and so it's kind of where like Christmas holiday season kind of initiates or uh, puts into play my depressive episodes and my negative self-talk typically will go off the... Yeah. off the rails during this time that. of year, especially when I go home. And it, it isn't even that anyone has to say anything to me. You know what I mean? It's not even like a really tough conversation or we're going to unpack all of this. It's just being right. there actually is emotionally charged mm-hmm. for me. Well, that makes me sad. Yeah, it is what it is. So we're going to talk about the things that help prevent these blahs, right? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with expectation, as you mentioned, Michelle. Um, I would also note, you know, it's not just being in the presence of others. Some people don't have that family. They don't have those supports. And so this season is often spent in isolation. And now that we're bringing in COVID-19, I don't know how all of this is going to play out, but social distancing is a thing. And how's that going to really work out with family around this time? Well, I think that's already been a concern for a lot of people is the fact that, you know, even for the Thanksgiving Day holiday, you know, was a concern that it was going to be detrimental to not be able to see your family more so, it used to be the stereotype was it was detrimental to see your family at the holidays. <laughs> you know, there's disagreements and whatnot, right. especially this year with, a, you know, with a campaign and everything. But yeah, it's been largely discussed now as being detrimental to not being able to see them because of COVID. I think it mm-hmm. depends on the kind of person you are, though. Like, I, some people are okay with not, you know, the big group holidays and everything. It, there's not that pressure for them. So... I don't know. I think it depends on the person, but overall, I think it can be detrimental. I would also note weather. Oh, yeah. I hate the cold. <laughs> it's supposed to snow here tomorrow, possibly. I don't even know what? how to act. I'm like, snow? What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> I hate the cold. I'm, it's not, I'm not a big fan, but of course, after living in California for over 30 years, you know, the being able to have rain and thunder, I'm like in awe of that still. So they mentioned snow and I'm like, oh, like a little kid, you know, like, oh, this will be fun. I'm sure after the first few days of it, I'll be like, that's enough. <laughs> I need to be warm again. <laughs> so I'm with you there on that for the most part. This is just a new experience. So. Wow. I remember we had like a, a, a wood stove in the, in the house up in Michigan and I mean, now I'm in Florida, so it's not, it's a, it's a non-issue for me, but, but we had a wood stove in the house in the wintertime and we always had like cords and cords of wood outside. And I hated wood with a passion uh, because my father would never cut enough wood and we'd be (laughs) invariably out there in the frigid cold 
and he'd be chainsawing stuff and I'd be freezing to death. And, uh-huh. and, you know, we'd be cutting wood and bringing it back. But I remember sitting in front of that wood stove and the heat would be radiating off into my body. And there's a moment where it just feels so good to have that super duper hot, hot, hot feeling, you know, like when you're sitting in front Mm -hmm. of an open fire and it just gets to that point where it's like super hot and your body's just like, oh, all is well. Good. Yeah. (laughs) There's just such a nice feeling there. You know, that's what I miss about that kind of environment, you know, because I don't get that now in Florida. So there's always a trade-off regardless of where you are, but definitely like being up in Michigan and having the cloudier days yeah. can can lead to that. And I had a, a psychiatrist actually prescribe to a woman with uh, schizophrenia uh, tanning as yeah. part of her script. He literally wrote her a script to go tanning because he knew it would help her mental health to have those uh, those rays. So, you know, that's that's definitely like something that is very helpful is to get that vitamin D in your in your body. You know, I actually do that even in California when you would have, you know, in the winter months, it would still get gloomier or whatever. I actually would go uh, do tanning and I've been doing it here as well because it's the same thing. It does help. I have that whole seasonal affective disorder uh, some, you know, kind of feeling when it, whenever it gets gloomy. I said, my husband's from Seattle and we have, we've talked many times about moving back to Seattle and I, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. It's, it's too gloomy for me. It's beautiful there. I love how green it is and how beautiful it is, but it, there's just not enough sunshine. So I do the same thing. The tanning salon is on, is on my schedule at least two or three times a week. I tried. I was in Seattle for four months. And it's, it's hard. The first, the first time in my life I have ever had suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Because it was just rain. I was there during the rainy season and I, I was like, I can't live here. I can't. I can't. No. Unless it like unless you get me a tanning bed and I'm like in it every day. There's yeah. just no no way. No way. My, hus- my husband's whole family is from there. I was born there. I was born in Tacoma. Two of my kids live there now, you know, but I I just can't do it. I just, wow. It's wow. too yeah. much. It's good to recognize that you need the sun, though. I mean, yeah. it's always good to, to find those keys, you know, to mm-hmm. help you get past it. Yeah. You know, so so did That's... you want to like, what were you going to say? Sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to ask Seth if he's taking any more walks around the lake. Maybe that would be helpful with the cold water. I have not. I, I have not Maybe taken should. any more walks around the lake. If you, if you, if you recall, the last time I took a walk around the lake, I, I couldn't That's walk why you need to for do a week often. and a half. And that boy, he never really wanted Aww. to invest in me at all. I was never Aww. good enough for him. And it, it's one of those things where I kept trying to reach out and trying to initiate something, and he's Aww. clearly not interested. So. Yeah, I'm not going back to the lake. It's first of all, it is way too cold for that. No, you know what? You know what that story and reminded me of. I know you watch Schitt's Creek, right? Of course, I do. So the one where he takes David hiking and he's going to propose to him. Patrick takes him hiking. He's going to propose, and yes. David's just complaining and bitching the whole hike. <laughs> it's a great episode, and it it's reminded hilarious. me of you when you talked about walking around the lake. I was like, "You're David." <laughs> wow, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, have you watched that show, PK? No, I've never oh seen it. Oh my god, it's hilarious. You have to watch that show. Oh, it, you're missing out. You I, really I are vacillate missing between out. laughing and crying. It's so good. Do you know who is the upcoming Shits Creek family? Who? The Trump administration. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> Jared and Ivanka. It's literally the premise of Shits Creek. They're millionaires who lose oh, everything okay. and they move out into the oh, woods and no one sakes. likes them and they have to, yeah, no, it's go, it's <laughs> happening to the Trump family and it's, I, I can't know. wait. I'm I hoping like the they do their own better. reality show. <laughs> Anyhow, so, but let's, let's, let's bring this in. Let's, let's, you know, let's right, come back here and let's talk about how to combat the blahs. In order to do this, PK had an idea and I want to, I want to kick this to you, PK, and we can kind of go through this. Okay. So there's a feeling good handbook and, and it talks about 10 different uh, cognitive distortions that we should be aware of. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about it a little bit that will help you to get over or avoid the blahs. 
Uh, number one is all or nothing thinking. So this occurs when somebody sees things in terms of black and white categories. So for this type of thinking, anything short of perfection is viewed as a failure. So I will pause and let you guys speak to that. <laughs> well, that's my life. <laughs> no. See, I'm very perfectionistic, so. I Well, this comes right back to Michelle's call out on expectation. Because we have this idea of what how things should go at the holiday season, specifically if we're around family. And that all or nothing thinking that it has to be this way or else. And then when it right. doesn't happen, it's like the world crumbles in front of you. That is definitely a problem. And so I think that we need to, when we address the holiday season is understand, hey, things may not go the way that I want or the way that I planned or the way that I expected. But learning to make the most of that situation with what's going on. Yeah, or even preparing yourself in advance and saying, you know what, this is what is going to happen. I'm going to, if you do get together with your family members, you know, and a lot of us are not able to do that with COVID, but even if you're going to get on a, a Zoom call or whatever, you know, to think about this ahead of time and say, okay, uh, this is this is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be what I what I want it to be, but I am going to get to see my family. I am going to get to fellowship with them and and have some laughter, and that's going to be okay. It has to be okay to just get to spend time with them. And kind of, you know, resolve within yourself that it doesn't have to be, you know, the the perfectionistic uh, ideal. You know? Right, right. Yeah. It's hard, though. It's hard to get out of that habit. I mean, you know, you I think it's I've gotten better at it as I've got older. You know, there's the grudging admittance that, OK, it can never be perfect, even though, you know, I still very much identify as an idealist. I am always looking for the ideal in every situation. And and so that does lead to some expectations that are not necessarily realistic. Uh, so even mm-hmm. reminding myself of that often doesn't negate the fact that it's there subconsciously most of the time. Right. Yeah. So It helps me to remind myself that we're all messed up. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It, it helps me. Like the older I get, the more I realize that we're all just trying our best and we're all messed up. Yeah. And the more, the more I see that and the more human beings, you know, are uh, come into view for me as imperfect people. Like, I think that's what drew me into the church. So, so much so is because what I saw in the pulpit pulpit looked perfect. Right. And, and that drew me in because I was like, yes. But it's a, it's a mirage. It's It's not real. It's it's an absolute (laughs) mirage, but that. You know, uh, when I saw the real, it was very disappointing for me. But what drew me in was that perfectionistic ideal, you know, that yeah. there was a, a perfect or there was an enlightened uh, place, you know, that it, it, you know, was achievable, attainable. Yes, we can be God's perfect little golden child. And when I found out that that wasn't possible, it was devastating. But the more I live, and the more I interact with human beings, the more I realize that not being perfect is okay. And, and I think that that self-acceptance is helping me a lot with that all or nothing thinking that right. I learned as a child because I definitely had that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's, so, there's wisdom um, that comes with age, but unfortunately we don't always get it, you know, for a while. It, it's kind of that hindsight being 2020 perspective that is actually beneficial. And I also think that if we could learn to embrace the failures or the mistakes for the life learning episodes that they are, you know, that we're growing there, that's where we actually grow and get better. Mm -hmm. If we could embrace that, then it would be a much more positive experience, I think. But maybe we're just not capable of it. I used to tell the girls in the jail, I was a corrections officer while I was finishing up my bachelor's. And I used to tell the girls in the jail, there's no such thing as a mistake if you learn from it. Right. 
and and well, they true. found they found heart in that, yeah. you know, and uh, that helped them to get past that. You know? I, and I believe that 100%. I just find it very difficult to apply to myself. You know, I still <laughs> I still lament the mistakes. <laughs> it's only later after you've had a little bit of, you know, time to reflect that you go, oh, okay, so I did learn from there, you know, from that in this way. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next one is mm-hmm. overgeneralization. Oh, boy. And, and this is a cognitive distortion where you view a single event as a never-ending pattern of defeat. Mm. Uh, those who overgeneralize might also make broad interpretations from a single event, like feeling awkward in a job interview, leading you to falsely believe that you are always awkward. Hmm. So overgeneralization. So never been a struggle ever. <laughs> never. Somehow I think so it's facetious. I'm not sure, but not not <laughs> something I have there, ever. Mr. Showalter. <laughs> Uh, no, I've never struggled with that, ever. Nope. So may- maybe like last Christmas was absolutely terrible. It's all my fault. And this Christmas is probably going to be terrible because I'm, you know, I'm just going to blow it like I did right. last time. I always blow it. Would that be an appropriate way to express this overgeneralization? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Makes sense. I don't know that I overgeneralize, but it, or at least in the in the conscious realm, maybe subconsciously we do that. Maybe that's why the anticipation of the holiday seasons is difficult for people because there's that subconscious overgeneralization that they're walking around with, you know? And so the expert, and, and of course, whatever we expect is what we typically end up seeing. Yeah. So waiting maybe for it's the a, other shoe to drop. Right. So maybe it's a perpetual cycling event for us and we're just not aware of it. I think um, that the, the negative self-talk here would be a, well, what do you think, Seth? What what do you think a negative self-talk with an overgeneralization would be? I'm never going to be successful. Good. Um, I'm never going to fit in. I You're overgeneralizing a negative experience, and then you're taking that and you're turning it inward. So it, it's attributing blame to yourself. That's so good. I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. Yeah. 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 I'm just social. I used to say people either like me or they hate me. Mm. I used to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that probably mm-hmm. would be an overgeneralization. So uh, that that could potentially be that. Uh, but isn't that also like it's a way, though, to say something like that is also a way to kind of mitigate rejection. Yes. Because you've already established in your mind, well, I'm just not for everybody. So some people hate me. So it, it the rejection typically doesn't sting as much because you've already kind of inoculated yourself against it. As, yes. as it's kind of that, it's kind of the I'll get you before you get yeah. me. If I if I get if I'm negative to myself, then I don't have to deal with right. You. I've already I've already taken Your the sting negativity. out of it, so when you do it, it won't hurt as much. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm broken anyway, so it's not your fault. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not you. It's me. <laughs> What did you? What do you? What did you expect? You're dealing with Seth. Come on now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's any of us, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mental filter. A mental filter is when you pick out a single negative detail and dwell on it to the point of exclusivity. As a result, your vision of reality becomes darkened, like a drop of ink disco- uh, discoloring an entire beaker of water. Hmm. Interesting. What's the term again? Mental filter. When you pick out a single negative detail and dwell on it to the point of exclusivity. So, okay, I can talk to this. I have a lot of mental filters when I go back home. And often, and my parents have brought this up to me actually several times, but I have conceptualized my upbringing in a specific way. And so when I go home, I I automatically assume that I know what my family is thinking and how they're going to respond to certain things. So, and I'm specifically speaking in regards to my extended family, but I will know, 
you, like I go in expecting something negative. This is how they're always going to respond. It's going to be negative. And then they come at me and it's actually very positive, right? If they're having just a normal conversation, but I don't, I don't interpret it as a normal conversation. I interpret it based upon all the other stuff from the past or whatever. I'm using a specific filter and I'm focusing on it so much so that I miss that, hey, they're not actually, they're not actually thinking that at all. You know, sometimes my judgment is off because of that whenever I go back home. I kind of assume the worst. Yeah. So it kind does of, that apply? Do you think? Yeah, it kind of excludes all the all the positivity. Mm-hmm. Instead of correct, you know, you're looking for the the pee under the mattress. You know, you, you're just mm-hmm. uh, seeing only that one that one negative detail and not looking for the positive. And then allowing that to taint the rest of my opinions and experience when I'm with those individuals. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of when I would get called to the principal's office when I was a kid and all I could think about was the fact that I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like it could not be for anything positive. <laughs> I was in trouble and I was going to die. And, you know, that back then there was a paddle hanging on the principal's wall with big holes in it. And my father had told the principal in front of me, if she gets in trouble, I want you to beat her. And then when mm. she comes home, she's going to get beat oh. again. Oh, good Lord. So I was oh, terrified man. to yeah. get called to the principal's office, you know? So when I got called in there, that's all I could think about was like, you know, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? You know? Mm-hmm. And even if I didn't, like one time I got called in there for an award <laughs> and I went in there and I sat there and I'm like, I'm sweating profusely and I, you know, I can't even talk. I'm like totally shutting down and I'm traumatized <laughs> and, and it was for an award. And, and that mental filter that I had, you know, and maybe it was just a triggering trauma, but, but it was definitely like, I was only focused on the negative and I couldn't see anything positive. My reality was definitely darkened. I was just scared of what was coming, you know, but I think all of us are guilty of this at one point or another. Uh, it's easy to do, especially if you get offended, you, you, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can put in mental filters pretty quickly when you get offended. Yeah. Uh, because if somebody hurts you, then you're not looking for them to be positive toward you. Right. So right. you're expecting what you received before. And and especially around the holidays, you know, family offenses, that's like common. And uh, well, it's almost uh, stereotypically a part of the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just uh, if offense is common in my family, it like happens like frequently. And if I have a sibling that offends me, I'm just like. I don't even want to talk to you. I don't even want to talk to you. I don't want nothing to do with you. And and the funny thing is, is my family members will offend you and they have no clue that they offended you. They will have, they will be absolutely clueless that they have done anything to offend you. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, you were the worst jerk in the world to me. <laughs> you were the worst jerk in the world to me when you said that. What did I say? <laughs> and you're going, oh my gosh, you can't remember saying this, you know? So it didn't carry the same weight for them that it does for you, though. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And then my mental filter is just like, well, you're not going to have anything nice to say to me. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not talking to you. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It's just pointless to have another conversation. Or I don't even want to engage anymore because it's like, what's the point? You're just going to take out a knife and stick me with it again, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't like right. to engage in those kind of conversations. Well, no, they're not comfortable for sure. So, And when it's family, it really sucks. Yeah. Because, like, you just have to do it again. <laughs> you, you have to do it again. I'm just in awe. You know, some of the family dynamics that are out there. My husband's family, they are so blunt and almost caustic with one another but to them they don't see that as negative that's just how they are with one another but when you're when you're like if i'm in the room and i'm observing it i'm i'm like so uncomfortable i'm mortified i'm like oh my gosh oh my gosh you know these people are going to hate each other after the they just go on like it's nothing (laughs) so i'm always a little uh 
I, I, I always try to take that into consideration. Like, is it, is it just me that's uncomfortable in this situation or is that person, you know, maybe that's okay for them. <laughs> it's a hard thing to remember, but helps with the offense sometimes. So, yeah. So what's, what's the next one? Disqualifying the positive. This occurs when you reject positive experiences and insist they don't count for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. Thinking this way helps you maintain a negative belief that is contradicted by your everyday experiences. Hmm. I don't know if I do this a whole lot because I'm pretty like positive by nature. I'm like the eternal optimist. Ah. And I tell you what, I've got a great psychological story for you. This is my nature. This scientist has a set of twins and uh, he puts them in two different rooms and the one the one twin is an eternal optimist and the other twin is an eternal pessimist and they optimist they put him in a room with horse poop that's all that's in this room is just a humongous pile of horse manure in the other room the boy who is a pessimist has every toy that he could ever want in that room okay and they leave the boys in there for a couple hours and they come back and the, and the boy that's in the room with all the toys, he's sitting there in the midst of them and he's not playing with the toys. And the, and the doctor's like, what's going on? He said, I'm not playing with those. And he said, why? Well, they're just going to break. They're probably cheap. And he just, just goes on and on, you know, is, this is pointless. There's no reason for me to be here. Yada, yada, you know. So he leaves the little boy sitting there and he walks into the other room and the boy is slinging horse shit everywhere. (laughs) He's just throwing horse shit everywhere. He goes, what are you doing? He said, all this horse poop. There's got to be a pony in here somewhere. (laughs) That makes sense. And this is my nature. I am like such, like, I'm an eternal optimist. Like, we can be in the midst of, like, the darkest thing, and I will find a flicker of light somewhere. So. I'm in the dead center. I tend to, I can go either way, depending on the circumstance. The environment, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I have been in places where I have disqualified the positive, though. There's been times in my life where I have been very down, and I can... I can definitely bring my little rain co- uh, cloud like Eeyore with me, but there are people that can that can reject positive experiences and say that they don't count or invalidate. I guess that would be the word here, you mm-hmm. know, invalidate uh, what somebody has done because maybe they just don't believe that or trust that what they're saying is is uh, what they're saying. Right. Right. I think that I am an eternal pessimist. I, I'm, I'm really happy that you guys are positive or at least neutral. I tend to lean towards the negative most of the time. So that makes us, that makes, that makes for a good show, right? We've got <laughs> positive person and eternally negative person and someone in the middle. It's what makes this a fun show. But, so but do you think, do you think that you're, you're saying that right now because you just are feeling kind of negative right now? Mm, I mean, I'm definitely feeling negative well, right now. Well, I know. Now. That's what I'm but saying. Is that I, coloring that opinion? or Maybe a little bit, but I am typically pretty negative. I mean, I typically lean towards the negative. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funny thing is, is you have been a huge encouragement to me. In the midst of, well, that's good. In the midst of that, I think that you have such a, a driving uh, nature and an encouraging nature, Seth, that... I, I find that a fascinating statement by you. Well, it's true that I am I'm very person-centered when I'm working with others. Yeah. Um, I try to be very uh, person-centered and strengths-based um, in working individually with, um, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a client, whether it be a customer. However, when I think about it, when it comes to my personal life, I'm very pessimistic. And negative. So that's what's interesting. It's almost as if I'm very optimistic when working with others, but when it's just me, I'm, I'm pretty. So negative. you don't afford yourself the same courtesy is what you're Correct. saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true of a lot of people. I, I would say that I do that as well. 
I'm, I'm mm-hmm. able to find the positives for other people, but for me, I'm centered more on the negatives. Mm-hmm. And it, that's situational too, but I, I think that that is somewhat a little bit of human nature. It's easier to give other people the benefit of the doubt than it is because we know ourselves, you know, so we, we know what's inside of us. So when, and that goes back to like you mentioned earlier, somebody giving a compliment and us not being able to accept it. I think that's part of it. Yes. We're like, Oh, you don't know me. You you don't yeah. really know me. If you knew me, you would never say that. Oh yeah. You know? So I think that, yeah, this kind of goes along that line. That's, I was just connecting the dots there, like not mm-hmm. being able to receive a compliment because you just, you disqualify the positive. Yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. I do do that. <laughs> See, we all do a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, there's so much intermingling of all of this stuff. To thine own self be true. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> Is anybody out there listening? Are you having a revelation about this now? Call our hotline and let us know. Because we would really like to know that we're not the only individuals in here that can't take a compliment. <laughs> you know, it would really be nice to hear that something. And that, yeah. And that phone number is 314-690-5005. You can call and leave a voicemail or you can text us. We are available. Wait a minute. We have a hotline? Yes. We, we have do. A oh my we God. do. Now I'm riffing off another podcast. Yes, I know you are. I know you are. And it's funny. Because we're doing it ourselves. So it's all good. Okay. So uh, I I don't know how much time we have left, but I would love to get to just two or three more of these. Do we have enough time? Yeah. Okay. We do. Yeah, we should be okay. Jumping to conclusions. When you jump to conclusions, you don't think things through. You react impulsively. This might manifest as mind reading. Oh, mind reading. Or concluding someone is reacting negatively towards you without checking it out or fortune telling or predicting (laughs) something will turn out bad. Oh, my goodness. Are we ticking boxes or what? Seth, how are you doing, Seth? (laughs) What, what is that, that sounds like a call to, out. I'm, ch- that, I'm checking in with that, you, Seth. I'm checking feels, in with you. That feels intentional. It, that it feels sure was, man. I was there. reaching out to you, brother, with a, yeah, with a I, cane I heard of it. love. I saw it. I saw it. I heard it. Say it again. Because now I'm all flustered. Have you ever mind read? Have you ever concluded that someone was reacting negatively towards you without checking it out or fortune telling or predicting something is going to turn out bad? And everyone was going to. A couple times a day. What do you think, Seth? Or maybe a couple times an hour. I listen. I am a very good read on people, and I am able to tell people's intentions. Okay, Mind especially reader. if it's based yeah. upon, especially if it's based upon some type of prior interaction. I tend to just, I, I tend to know. You know, Scooby Doo just and came in, okay. man. <laughs> what did you just say? The Scooby Doo theme in? just came in. It yeah. just came in. Oh. No, but oh, to be yeah. on- okay, but be honest. You have jumped to conclusions about things. We all have. Every one of us has jumped to a conclusion of what we think somebody is saying or their intent. I didn't deny it. No. I agreed with okay. it. Okay, just saying because yeah. we have yeah. all done that. Yep, yep, yep. Thinking that somebody's reacted negatively towards you. I am a big mm-hmm. like okay. I am very, very empathic and sensitive. Me too. And uh, much more in the past than I do now. Now I check myself. But in the past, if anyone was mad, it was always my fault. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah, I know that story. too. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> yeah. What did I do? Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? What did I do? I Like always, always. And my sister and my has... My follow-up is always, what can I do to fix it? But continue on. Your sister? <laughs> my, my sister always had that frowned brow thing, and it always looked like she was mad, you know? And I'd be like, did I do something? Are you mad at me? Yeah. So, and my boss knows this about me. So one of my coping skills to get past that, to grow, 
was to communicate that years ago and to say, look, I've got an issue with this. So every once in a while, I'm going to check in with you and say, are we okay? And I just need you to tell me we are. And if we're okay, then I will move on. And that's all I'll need. And so uh, communicating really helped me to get past this, you know, just like, just like with my wife, I had, I was married two times before Ashley to two husbands. Yes. I was married to two men. I knew one. I didn't know there was two. Yeah. And I had insecurities because of things that had happened. And so I told her, I said, it's not you. It's me. I recognize that it's me and this is what I need you to do. And so she was very beautiful about helping me to get past some of those insecurities. And I would say, this is what I need you to do. And she would help me and it helped me to grow. So I think with jumping to conclusions, communication really does work to shore up those shortcomings with the people that you care about and who care about you. Yeah. I always wondered, I, cause I, I have a hard time with this as well. And it used to drive my husband crazy because same thing, he has that kind of furrowed brow and he always looks kind of intense. And I would say, what well, are you angry? What are you angry? Did I do something wrong? You know, are you angry at me? And I would ask so many times that finally he would say, no, but I'm getting angry. Can you knock it off? You know, and but and so it's insecurity. It's insecurity. But then for a while, I even went so far as to say, well, maybe I'm just really egotistical because I just assume I'm the problem. I'm the center of everything. You know, I must be the issue. Maybe I'm narcissistic. Yes. And I went that way for a while. But so I think it goes between those two things. Like there's a little bit of ego involved, but there's also a lot of self-image issues at, at, you know, at play there as well. Self-esteem. Yeah, self-esteem. And and so needing that constant affirmation that you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. You're not that person. You're not the reason. Because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I, I piss my husband off often. I'm positive of it. But it's not always my fault. And so, you know, I need to be okay with him being mad about something else. <laughs> it doesn't have to be about me. <laughs> so. Go ahead, Seth. Yeah. Seth's got his head down. It just, it sucks when, you know, you ask, is there a problem? And you are the problem. Well, sometimes you just are. So you own that and you move on. You fix it. Yeah. yeah. But you don't just make easy, that assumption. Every, said, no, I, I, I know that made it sound dismissed and I don't mean to make it that way. Because, yeah, some problems are bigger than others. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying not every problem is yours. But when it is, it's okay for you to admit it and to try and resolve it. But it doesn't mean that every problem is. I'm going to skip down here because I think this last one is very important. Uh-oh. Okay. Personali- Are you mind reading? Personalization. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> this occurs when you believe you're responsible for events outside of your control. Yeah. Yeah. You might also see yourself as the cause of some adverse external event, which you are not primarily responsible for personalization. So I think I'll need, yeah, I'll need a real life example because I don't think I've ever dealt with that. So can, can let's, let's jump into this and talk about this. I want to, I want to hear some, some real life examples, uh, you know, maybe some tips along the way. Let's let's, let's say, let's say that, uh, uh, things occur and you always feel like you're the one that has to do damage control for everything and for every person. And you feel like you like almost the dynamics between I grew up in a family with, I had two brothers, two sisters and seven stepbrothers and sisters. Wow. And I was a middle child. So fun for you. (laughs) So, okay. One sibling gets mad at another sibling. And then we've got two groups. And they're both mad at each other. And I'm a mediator. I'm a mediator because I like peace. I'm a Libra by nature. And I am definitely a consummate Libra. (laughs) So I do not like the fact that there is turmoil in my world. And I want there to be peace. And I am sensing that this side is mad at this side. And I want there to be peace. So I go to this side and I find out the list of demands for peace. (laughs) And then I go to this side over here and I communicate those demands. 
and this side has other. You're just being disrespectful at this point. <laughs> and you're just you're you're just you're being I'm, a little too pointed. I'm telling you you're being a about little too something pointed. that happened in my life when I to was a you. kid. Okay. I, I'm I'm okay. I'm telling you. You're just identifying stuff. That's all. Okay. Just continue on. I, I, continue I, I, on. I'm telling you an honest to god story, real story, true uh-huh. story. What you okay. asked for. Okay. Exactly. Yep. It is. Keep going. Just keep this going. This is not made up. This is the truth, man. And truth hurts. It's the truth. <laughs> you, you can't, can't handle, handle the, the truth. truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that wasn't even so planned. Here's that was the deal. Here's the deal. That was perfect, wasn't it? it wasn't was. it? You can't handle it. Yeah. So continue on. I I learned over time that it was okay if Group A was mad at Group B, and that it was not my responsibility to negotiate a peace treaty. <laughs> Between Group A and Group B. I also realized that if Group A and Group B and me all got together, that things got resolved a whole lot quicker than if I went to Group A and talked to Group A. Because somehow this telephone game thing that they told us about when we were kids, it really does work. It does work because when you play the telephone game, things kind of get twisted up and distorted. And, you know, it's like... Jesus Christ becomes mac and cheese and and everything gets distorted <laughs> when you go from one point to the other and people hear things through their own experiences yeah. and perceptions and all that stuff. And so instead of that, when group A and group B got together and I was there too, all of us were hearing things in real time and suddenly something miraculous happened and my personalization of the whole event, I I was able to let go of. And there was peace in the valley. And <laughs> peace in, in my the life, valley. My life got better. See, and my answer is, you said group A is pissed at group B and me is group C. I just need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I can step out and let See, them no. deal with it. <laughs> no. No. That is not the right answer. I, I thought about that. But That's it, called escapism. Yes, well. And it's what the church has done. And we need to not live in such a world, but address our issues head first and be a head community first. First. and love one another. That's oh, what we need to do. Running away does not solve anything. Yep, yep. All right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So no, what I meant is like, if I know that I don't have anything to do with group A and group B's beef with one another, then if I'm not operating as a mediator, obviously the best thing for me to do is to step back out of the way and say, this doesn't concern me. Deal with one another. Yeah. And I don't, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Is that a control issue or is that a desire to help? That's a, a fear of abandonment. Ah, okay. Valid. No. Valid. Yes. No. Valid. I have a vision. <laughs> I have a dream. Oh my gosh. And you just lost. I have a vision. You just lost your readership right there. You know, I mean. Uh, yeah, so personalization <laughs> is seeing yourself responsible for events, yeah, outside of your control. Yeah. So if it's outside no, of your control, don't feel responsible for something that is not your responsibility. It's an external event, and it's an adverse one, and you don't have to fix it. I think that's the big fixer personality. Which yeah. I I have been definitely guilty of and oh, can be at yeah. times. Oh my goodness, I love to fix things. Well, but you you made a point a, a little bit ago about the fact that you just wanted peace, and I think that is the big motivator for people that yes. that do try to do that. Is you I I need my anxiety levels to come down, so I need everybody around me to get along because I do not handle this kind of conflict well. Right. So right. Mm-hmm. I don't like conflict. I like peace. Yes. So I'm I not think, a conflict I th- person unless I get really pissed and then I can be a conflict person. But it's, oh. it's, I prefer to back away from it most of the time. I would never want to get into a fight with you. <laughs> I would lose. <laughs> oh, for goodness sakes. I'm not scary. <laughs> I have scary qualities. I don't think I'm a oh. scary person. 
Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just would not want to meet you in a dark oh, alley. Oh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah. He's, I would lose. He's just speaking to your bodybuilding yeah. stuff, that's all. He's just, Physique. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, he's so just, this has been... Mm-hmm. This has been what? Uh-huh. I cut you off like 1,200 <laughs> times in this interview today, PK. And she's still smiling, so no, it's all I, good. I think that looking at these cognitive distortions, which we have, we've laid out, I think paint a pretty good picture at what are some of the pitfalls around this holiday season. Yeah. And by looking at these different, these different things, um, these different distortions, if we can understand what they are, we can then start to avoid them. And I think that is going to be one of the key things we can do to avoid the blahs of the holiday season. Yeah. Or process them, you know, or at least attempt to understand them, you know, Mm -hmm. put it all um, into perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And and allow it to be a process of self-discovery and, and take a moment just to say, Hey, you know, what am I feeling here? What am I experiencing here? Um, I think that that's important to do. I agree. Yeah, I think so. If you've enjoyed this episode, I want to let you know, you can check us out on Facebook. We also are on almost every single podcast application. And we, let's see here. We have merchandise available to you on storefrontier.com backslash FTG network. And then also want to include our hotline. Michelle, can you tell our listeners about our hotline? What it is, what we do, all throughout the oh, number. Oh, good, because I haven't it memorized yet. You freaked me out for a moment. <laughs> don't, 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 don't get freaked out. Uh, what is the hotline? Well, the hot- Why do we create the this? The hotline is something what, we've what just added just recently in this last week. Uh, the idea is a communication avenue for you, the listener, to be able to interact with us and correspond with us with regard to questions about your own lives, questions about uh, mental health issues, suggestions for things that you'd like to hear discussed, or maybe you just have a story to share with regard to something that we've discussed. Uh, In our last episode, of course, we talked about success stories. Um, I'm hoping that there are people out there that have some to share with us because that would be encouraging. So the idea is to build a bridge of communication between you, the listener, and uh, us here at the podcast as well. So Seth's going to give you the number because I don't have it memorized yet. So... Yes, so that phone number is 314-690-5005. Again, the phone number to the hotline where you can call and leave a voicemail or text is 314-690-5005. And then also, please know we will be happy to take any feedback you may have um, on our Facebook page as well as our Facebook group. And if you do want direct access to the gang, PK, Michelle, and I, um, by becoming a patron of our show, supporting us financially, you will get thrown into a Marco Polo group with the three of us where you can ask any questions, have any conversations, and then also you will have the opportunity to receive bonus content. Believe it or not, we do share things even more vulnerable than we have in previous episodes, and we release that to people who support us. So if you want to hear the juicy details, become a patron. You can check that out at patreon.com backslash mental podcast. Well, now we all know how to approach the holidays. Now, we, yeah, we got it. <laughs> it's all good here. Problem solved. Problem solved. Problem solved. Good to go. <laughs> Easy as that. We'll see y'all next week. With Eversense, the long-term sensor helps me spend less time dealing with my CGM. I only need two sensor changes a year. If you're on multiple doses of insulin, you might greatly benefit from the Eversense E3 CGM system, the only continuous glucose monitoring system that lasts for up to six months with one sensor. Still doing frequent sensor changes? Break free today with Eversense. For important safety information and to learn more about Eversense, please visit eversensediabetes.com safety.